Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Well, we are in a series called Eight Hills where we're talking about the values here at Life Church. And as I've said before, these values are not just some kind of organizational pieces that we want you to memorize and know that this organization believes these things. No, these are how we want to be as a community. So we've talked about God's word. We've talked about his love. Today we're gonna talk a little bit about passionate spirituality. One of the things that we do around here all the time is we're always encouraging you to become more like Jesus. We use all kinds of language for that, but the idea is that we are in this progression of becoming more and more like Christ. And so we'll encourage you to read your Bible. We'll talk about reading your Bible. We'll talk about prayer. We'll talk about doing life together with other people, like in small groups or life groups. You know, we'll talk about living generously, you know, being generous with your, with your finances, with your time, with your energy, serving other people. These are things that we'll constantly talk about as an encouragement to continue this journey of becoming more and more like Jesus. Like, that's the goal, right? Jesus is out there. That's the goal I want to reach. Now, it's easy for us to think, as Pastor Wayne just kind of alluded to a little bit about when he was talking about tithing, it's easy to think that if I do these things, like if I check all these boxes that you guys say, read your Bible, pray, do, do all these things, then that means that, man, I should be like a super Christian. Like my life should be great and there should be no trouble in my life because after all, I'm doing all the right stuff. I can't tell you the number of times that people come and sit in my office and they'll tell me exactly those words. Pastor Rich, I've done all of this and still I'm struggling. And we come to this realization that with our own strength, we can only go so far in my own strength. That my abilities, my ingenuity, my capabilities, my talents only take me so far in my Christian walk, in my development, in becoming more and more like Jesus. It's easy for us to depend on those things, and yet it can only go so far. We need strength. We need supernatural strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives in such a way that we are becoming more and more like Christ. And this is where our third value comes into play, passionate spirituality. It goes like this. It's never too late to become who you might have been. Over the years, people have challenged me with this language, and maybe we'll change it. I don't know. It's been 18 years now, so we probably won't change it. <laughs> but anyways, because it's kind of like, it seems backwards, right? But the idea behind this, the reason why it's worded this way is because there's this assertion, this value that we feel that's not just us coming up with it, but we believe the Bible teaches this as well, that God is not done with you. God is always working with you. And even when it seems like, in fact, probably this morning, people walked into this room. They're glad they're here in church. They're glad they're born again today. But they wish and regret, oh, gosh, the last 35 years of my life, I just totally messed it all up. And there's this little dialogue inside their head that says, you know what? Yeah, you know, I'm saved. Thank the Lord I'm saved. But, you know, God will never use me. I've messed up too much. I've done too many bad things. I, you know, there's no way. And so this idea here is that, you know, God is not up there saying, oh, man, I really wanted to do something with your life, but I don't know. You messed up so much that I can't. 
Like that language doesn't go with God. I can't do something. God can do anything he wants. And oftentimes God uses some of the worst parts of our lives to develop us more into becoming like Christ. And so this is an assertion that it's never too late for that to happen. So wherever you find yourself right now, I want you to know that this morning you can walk out of those doors with this, with this realization that God has a plan and purpose for your life. And you can walk out of here with that knowledge and know that there is a plan and a purpose. We need to be pursuing that plan, but there is a plan and purpose for your life. And it goes on. It says, we value spending our lives in the transformational, we intentionally use this word, transformational pursuit of God. And the idea behind that is that, it, you know, we don't, we don't stop. We don't stop. We just keep going. There's not a such, I mean, like I've been serving Christ for, oh, 40 years now. And, I mean, it's not like I got to year 37 or something like that. It's like, you know what? I learned everything. <laughs> I figured it all out. I got it now. I don't have to learn anymore. I don't have, you know what? If I go to church, don't go to church. Eh, it's okay. No big deal. I've got there. I've, I know everything. There's no such thing as that in the faith, in the Christian faith. We are constantly, and I can't tell you how much these days I'm still discovering more and more about God, even after 40 years, discovering more and more about his love, his compassion, his care, his character. All of these things are still, there's continued revelation about Christ in my life. He's not done. It's this constant journey. And so passion spiritual is, is that we value is this consciousness that the Holy Spirit is actively working in my life to transform me into the image of Christ. Like I'm aware that the Holy Spirit is working in me to transform me to become more like, more like Jesus. And it wasn't just something he was doing when I was, you know, two years saved. He's still doing it in my life. He's still in the process of making me more and more like Christ. And aware of that. I'm conscious of the fact that the Holy Spirit is at work inside of me. And so what should my response be if I know that? If I know that the Holy Spirit wants to continue to work inside of me to make me more like Jesus, what should my response be? Very simple. Come on, Holy Spirit. Come on, Holy Spirit. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. I want more. I want more. I want more. I don't know if you guys remember the uh, ice storm in 2007. I remember an ice storm that we had in 2007 here in this area. Now, it was my first ice storm, by the way. You know, I moved, I moved here to Iowa in 2005, and I had never lived in a place where there was snow. So I didn't know what snow looked like. I mean, I had seen it on TV, but that's it. And I definitely didn't know what an ice storm was like, but I remember when that ice storm hit, I mean, it just affected all of eastern Iowa. Power was out in some places for weeks, you know, we were out of power for several days, almost a week, actually. And so it was just, it was, it was terrible. And it, and it came in, it was in 2007, so it came in a very inconvenient time because we still had kids, and, kids in school at that time. And so, you know, we had my daughter who had, you know, she had to get on, log on to her computer, but she couldn't get on her computer because there was no power, you know. The, there was papers to, you know, have printed up on our printer, and she couldn't do that either, you know. It was just, we didn't own a generator. So it was just, it was very inconvenient, like we couldn't, we have an electric that we had. We got rid of the electric oven stove. Now we have a gas stove on purpose. But we had an electric stove we couldn't cook. Um, clothes started piling up because we couldn't wash clothes, which, by the way, if you know my wife at all, you know that's a nightmare to her. She's like, 
I, you know, the, she, she was running around the house in the darkest state. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back because the clothes are piling up. Not, she, no, she wasn't doing that. But that, you know, she just cannot stand there being dirty clothes around the house. She has to wash it all the time. You know, I called Mid-American to find out when is our power coming back on? You know, they wouldn't answer for several because everybody was calling, you know. But finally, I got a hold of somebody, and I'm having a conversation with this lady, you know. And she's a very apologetic. She's like, I'm sorry, you know. It's not really her fault. She, what she's apologizing for, it's the storm, right? But, but she's apologetic, and she can't tell me when the power will be restored, you know. And then she went on to say, she goes, but we are regularly announcing on KCRG that, you know, the status of the, storm, of the you know, power coming back. And in my mind, like, okay, so you want me to go into my living room and turn my TV on? <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not Fred Flintstone. I don't have a dinosaur on a treadmill in the backyard, you know, running on dinosaur to generate power in my house. <laughs> and so after a few days, we, we had power back. And, man, it was celebration time at, at the Green household. <laughs> I mean, we went, normally I'm telling my kids, hey, turn the lights off, turn the lights off. You know, this time we went through the whole house and turned every light on. Just because we could. Like I was, I was ironing clothes that weren't even, you know, they weren't even wrinkled. I just had to iron just to say, look, I got power, you know. <laughs> now why, you're probably sitting there saying, why is Rich talking about an ice storm in 2007? The point is that when the power went out here in eastern Iowa, everybody noticed. Everybody noticed. Everybody was affected. Everybody. It wasn't like, you know, I walked out in my neighborhood, the power's out, and I said, hey, how you doing, Kevin? My next door neighbor said, oh, pretty good, how are you doing? I said, I don't even notice the power went out. I said, what, the power went out? No, everybody noticed. We all knew that the power was out. When it came back on, we also noticed. And so with that in mind, I want to ask this question. If the power of the Holy Spirit was turned off in your life, would you notice? Would you notice? Would anybody notice? A.W. Tozer, talking about the New Testament church, he says this, if the Holy Spirit had withdrawn from the New Testament church, like if the New Testament church was operating and then the Holy Spirit went away, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would notice. It would not go unnoticed. And so listen, without the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot operate as a church. And this value speaks to that. This Christian life is a day-to-day journey of us walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and becoming more and more like Jesus, being transformed into, into the image of Christ. That's what, that's what this is all about. And so he has a purpose, he has a plan for your life to become, to become who he has destined for you to become. And here's what I'm getting at today. You need the Holy Spirit in your life for that to happen. You need the Holy Spirit in your life for that to happen. Jesus says, before he's taken up into heaven, Acts chapter one, verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That word power there is the Greek word dunamis, or a derivative of dunamis, which basically um, means explosive powers, where we get the word dynamite. 
It's a supernatural ability. In other words, Jesus is speaking to the church and he's saying, listen, you need something beyond yourself. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses. And consistently what we see here in the New Testament, especially through the book of Acts, is that this power is always associated, consistently associated with the church being a witness. The idea of the Holy Spirit is not this little thing that I have that I kind of put it inside of my church building and this is, we, it's ours and we hold on to it and we, you know, we're the ones that talk about the Holy Spirit. That's not really what the Holy Spirit's for. The idea of the Holy Spirit is that we receive it so that we can be a benefit and a blessing to our community and to the people around us. <clears throat> when Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit, the main idea that he's communicating to you and I is dependency. Dependency. That our Christian life makes sense when we live dependent upon the Holy Spirit. So the way I sometimes picture this is, imagine I have a tree in my front yard, a you know, pretty good-sized tree, a normal tree, not a ginormous tree, a normal tree, in my front yard. And... Um, I decide I want to cut that tree down. So I walk into my garage and I come out, you know, to cut that tree down in my front yard and I come out with this. I'm going to cut this tree. I know everybody, I, I open the knife and everybody's like, whoa, what's going on? I'm going to cut that tree down. How long will it take to cut that tree down with this thing? I mean, you would look at me and say, Rich, you're, that's silly. That's dumb. Why would, you, why would you do that? It would be especially silly. Sorry, let me, before I swing, swing this knife and it lands and hits Wayne or something, you know, let me close it up. It'd be especially silly if I come out of my garage and in my garage, I have one of these little deals, a chainsaw, right? Yeah, Rich, you're going to cut that tree out in your front yard? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And I walk out with a knife. All the while, there's a chainsaw. And this is precisely what, ha what many of us do when it comes to living our lives for Christ. God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a destiny for your life. He has things that he wants to accomplish in your life. And what we do is we walk around trying to figure out how we're going to do it in our own strength. When all the while, it's a big, big, gigantic, that's, not, that's a tiny chainsaw actually. Sorry, Ben. That's Ben's chainsaw. It's not that big. This is, a, this is a teenager's chainsaw. We need a man's. No, just kidding. Where's man? <laughs> He's going to be the last time. That's the last time you'll ask me to borrow something. <clears throat> I think Jesus would say to you and I, it just doesn't make sense to have this available to you and not use it, right? And so in your relationship challenges, your behavioral struggles, your addiction struggles, your anxiety disorders, and the things that you're going through. The tendency is for us to think, I just need to, I need to work harder. I mean, I need, to, I need to try harder. I need to do everything I can inside of my strength. Really what you need more than anything else is just to rely on the Holy Spirit. It's really not about becoming more self-reliant. It's about becoming more spirit-dependent. You and I are called to become spirit-dependent. And so the transformation of your life is measured like how you change, how you become more and more like Christ is measured by the 
the same amount of dependency that you put in Christ. So are you depending on him? Jesus tells us in Luke 24, 49, he tells his disciples, he says, hey, I want you to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. I want you to wait. Don't do any ministry. Don't get started. Don't, you know, before you do anything, just wait till you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. I think what Jesus is trying to, the point that Jesus is trying to make here is that everything we do is dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Like here's these disciples who had walked with Jesus. They saw the miracles. They saw what Jesus did. They knew. They, I mean, like Peter's like walking around saying, yeah, I know what he did that day when that guy was blind. And he put some mud on this guy's eyes. And he, I could do that myself. You know, I, I know how to do that. That's not what he did. Jesus knew something. That they needed supernatural power. They needed strength beyond themselves. And it comes in the form of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit empowers you. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you today would say, man, I really need some power over some things in my life this morning? I do. Holy Spirit empowers you. Here's some ways in which the Holy Spirit empowers you. The Holy Spirit empowers you when you are weak. I, sus I suspect that some of you walked in here this morning feeling beat down and weak. You might be in a relational situation that is very, very challenging for you. And uh, you're just tired. You're worn out. You're weak. You see, it's only in weakness that we can truly experience the power of the Holy Spirit. As long as we consider ourselves strong enough, not putting ourselves in positions of being vulnerable and dependent, we don't get to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. I think we tend to approach, you know, the Holy Spirit, oftentimes the way we approach like our, our plumber, okay? Nobody, nobody likes calling a plumber. I'm sorry if you're a plumber here today. I apologize. But we don't like calling you. It's just bottom line. We don't. You know, but, but, but if, if our, you know, our toilet backs up and we can't figure it out, we better have your phone number. And I think oftentimes that's the relationship that we want to have with God and the Holy Spirit, like, I'm, on, I'm doing this on my own. I got this figured out. You know, I've got a good job, good money, nice house. Hey, I'm, I'm okay, God. I'm, I'm fine. I'll just call on you when I need you. But that's not really dependence. Romans 8, 26 says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That the Spirit's power is demonstrated when we are weak. Now listen, this might come as a surprise to you, but... God doesn't need you. I know, it sounds offensive, especially Richie. Didn't you last week talk about God's love? Yeah, he loves you, but he doesn't, need, he doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your talents or your abilities. He's not running around in heaven saying, man, I don't know how I'm gonna ever heal those people without that person. <laughs> That's not God. He doesn't need your wisdom. He doesn't, doesn't need, for sure doesn't need your opinions. <laughs> See, the reason why is because God is very self-reliant. He is. The only thing that God really wants from you, more than anything else, is he wants your dependence. He wants you in a relationship with him where you are dependent upon him. And that's how we see our lives beginning to become more and more like Jesus. And that's hard for us when I say that, that God wants us to be dependent on him because we're kind of a, 
in Western society, we're a very independent culture. We value independence, in fact. You know, we, we think that it's, it's all about working harder, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps kind of mentality, you know. <clears throat> and yet God makes available to us power and strength and blessing in exchange for dependence. I'll say that again. God makes available power and strength and blessing for you in exchange for you saying, I'm dependent upon you for I need you. And this is really, for many of us, the, ch- the biggest challenge. So that means if you find yourself in a position right now where you walked in these doors and you feel weak, you feel like you're struggling, you feel like you're not gonna make it, like life is hard, I know that all sounds terrible. I know you wish things were different, circumstances were different, but let me tell you, if that's where you are, here's, what, here's the good news. You are in the perfect spot for the Holy Spirit to come and empower you. Because you're in a position where you need him. You're vulnerable. Become dependent on him. Amen. Secondly, the Holy Spirit grows us and makes us holy. 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. So you, three things that Paul is saying here. You were washed, just, just sanctified, and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That word sanctified basically is, the language we use is just becoming more and more like Jesus, becoming like Jesus. You are being transformed in a consistent basis over your life. And so you're being sanctified. You're becoming more and more like Jesus. And the more we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, the more we become like Jesus. A few years ago, I was uh, traveling, and I had to go to, I, I can't remember where I was going, but I, I remember being in the Atlanta airport. And uh, between flights. And so, you know, I'm headed off to the other side of the airport because, you know, when you fly out of CID, it's like these tiny little airplanes and you got to get on these big, gigantic airplanes that land on the other side of the airport. You know, it's one of those deals. So I'm traveling, walking through the airport, you know, and I got on one of those automatic walks, you know, the, you know one of those at the airport. And so, you know, normally the idea is you get on this automatic walk, you can stand there, you can just walk normally. And when you're walking normally, you're like going really fast or you can run and then you're really going fast, you know, on these automatic walks. So I got on there and I just stopped and stood behind a family. There was a family, of, uh, like a mom and, and three boys with a mom. And they were like eating burgers and stuff, talking. And then outside of the walk, on this side of the walk, was dad. And dad was pulling a, you know, a um, carry-on. He had a backpack on. He too was trying to eat a burger. But that was two different, pe- I mean, it was two different scenes altogether because they were calmly eating their burger, standing on this walk, and dad was like, he was hustling, he was trying to eat his burger, and fries are flying everywhere, and he's mad, and all that stuff is going on, you know, and, I, and I'm looking at it, it was kind of comical to watch, you know, it's like, in my head, dude, the, the walk, your family's on the walk, why did you just get on the walk? But... No, he probably was one of those, you know, ultra marathoners that has to do things the hard way. I don't know what it, what it was, but he, uh, he, he, it was just, it was funny. And I started, it just gave me this perfect image that too often, that's exactly what we try to do when it comes to becoming more like Christ. Is that we're just going to work hard, we're going to do it in our own strength, and things just don't go the way they should go. And so we need the Holy Spirit. Paul encourages us in Galatians to walk in the Spirit. That's the imagery that I got from that that airport walk. 
It's just walking. It's funny. Like when you're walking alongside, you're not going very fast. But when you're on that airport walk, you're, you're cruising along, man. And that's what it's like. I think like that, that walk is kind of like the Holy Spirit. And you're just moving along there. And some of you have experienced that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. When you've come in relationship with the Holy Spirit, when you begin to walk with the Holy Spirit, when the transformation begins as the Holy Spirit is working in your life, you know what it's like. Because you used to react in anger, but now, now you, re, you, you respond in gentleness. You used to act selfishly, but now, now through the Holy Spirit's power, you act with kindness. You used to be demanding, but now you're more patient. You used to act impulsively, but now, now you exercise self-control. And this is all a work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. He's transforming you because you're walking with the Spirit. <clears throat> Lastly, the Holy Spirit helps us to know God's will. I love, if you, when you read the Gospel of John, John 14 through 17, it's a discourse on the Holy Spirit. I love that passage. Some of it kind of gets, flies over your head a little bit, but it's pretty cool. You read how the Holy Spirit interacts with us. And I love reading how Jesus prays to the Father that the Holy Spirit would come and help us. And so here's one of the passages in John 14, 26. Says, but the counselor, talking about the Holy Spirit, the counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Like he's going to educate you. And he will remind you, okay, like if, in case you forget, in case you don't remember exactly what Jesus wants you to do, in case you, you, don't, you, know, you don't recall what he said for you to do, he will remind you of all that I said to you. Here, Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is kind of like this conduit from God to you to help you understand what the Father thinks, what's his purpose, what's his will, what he wants for your life. Too often I, I'm asked this question, hey, Rich, how, how can I know God's will for my life? Like, what, you know, not, maybe some of you, I'm not trying to be, I'm not being condescending when I say that. I'm not trying to make you feel bad because maybe you've asked that question. How can I know God's will for my life? And I think what I find is that as we walk in the spirit, we discover something. It's less about a revelation. Like his will for my life is less about some mad, huge revelation. Wow, that's what you want me to do. To really just more of a relationship. As I am in relationship with the Holy Spirit, I just know what God wants. And you know this. I mean, I'm, I don't have time to get into it, but I can't tell you the number of times where a good idea came my way. It was a great idea. It sounded like an amazing idea, but in my spirit, it's like, no, that's, I'm not going to put a lot of it. I'm not going to put a lot of effort into that. I don't think that's really from God. And it's just about the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us, knowing his will. So as I keep in step with the Holy Spirit, I find myself walking in his perfect will. You see here in the book of Acts that 50 times, 50 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned. 50 times. In fact, it's been suggested that, you know, the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles. It's been suggested it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles, because that's what you, what you see through the book of Acts. It's just the Holy Spirit operating and guiding and directing and giving wisdom and doing amazing things. And so we see this, a good example of this amazing work of the Holy Spirit is found in Acts chapter 15 where uh, the church leaders are trying to decide whether they're going to allow Gentiles into the church. 
And so they have a big church meeting and a big discussion, and they vote, and all the deacons, no, they didn't vote. <laughs> but you know, one of those things happened. And, uh, and they got together as a church, and they decided that they were going to uh, write this letter to these Gentiles, and they write this letter. And there's this little phrase in the middle of that letter that they write that I thought was so powerful. Every time I read it, I think this is amazing. Acts 15, 28, it says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. The reason I love this phrase here is because it doesn't say we were talking about the Gentile situation and suddenly the earth shook. We were talking about the Gentile situation and suddenly there was this fire that ran through the place and we just knew that God would say, this is what you need to do. This speaks here of relationship. They're just in tune. They're just having this relationship with God and God just says, yeah, you know what? We're just talking about this thing. And just, this just feels right. We should invite them in to be a part of the church. And you need to know that this was a stretch for this young church. Up to this point, they were a Jewish, Jewish people only church. And now they were opening, opening the, door to the doors to the Gentiles. I mean, it was, it was uncharted territory for them. It was kind of crazy for them. And sometimes this is what the Holy Spirit does for you and I. He sends us into uncharted territory. You say, I want to know your will, God. Sometimes he says, go that way. <laughs> You're like, no, I, I want to know your will, God, but let's go this way. That's how we operate, right? Sometimes he sends us into places that we don't necessarily want to go there, but he sends us there because it's the right thing, right? And that's why we value here at Life Church trying new things when the Holy Spirit leads us. We don't always get it right. Sometimes we decide we're not going to do that ever again. <laughs> it's because we want to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Now, when it comes to guidance and understanding his will, here's the thing. We will always ask this question. Is it consistent with the word of God? Does God's word support this impression, this feeling that I have? This idea that just suddenly popped in my head. Is, is God, does God's word support this? Like we want to be a church that's led by the Holy Spirit. We also want to be a church that is, that's, that's uh, consistent with Scripture. And so we'll always ask the question. We'll always test everything against God's word. This is why our first value is God's word. This is why our third value is passion and spirituality. Because we want both of them. We want to be people of God's word. We want to be people who are led by the Holy Spirit. And this is why it's so important for you to know God's word. Amen? You need to know God's word. This is why we have a class called Biblical Literacy, because we want everybody to understand what the word of God is saying and what it means to me and how it addresses my life so that when you feel an impression, it's not these you know, feelings or late night pizza or any of the kind of that stuff that's guiding you. You know that God is guiding you because it's consistent with the word of God. Right? Now, there are many other ways in which the Holy Spirit empowers us. In 1 Corinthians 12, we find a list of of gifts that are given to the church for the benefit of others. That's one way in which the Holy Spirit empowers us. Another way in which the Holy Spirit empowers us, and I think this is really powerful, is that do you realize that you cannot say, you and I cannot say, Jesus is Lord of my life without the power of the Holy Spirit? Like, I can't confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior without the Holy Spirit empowering me to do that. In fact, it's one of the most amazing dynamic ways in which his power is manifest 
is when somebody says, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I will follow him to the end because it's the Holy Spirit that's empowering us to do that. So as we talk about passionate spirituality, as we determine that we want to become all that God has intended us to become, then the invitation is very simple. Holy Spirit, I want to experience your power. Holy Spirit, I want to experience your power. That's a dangerous prayer because it means that you have to put yourself in a place of vulnerability. You have to put yourself in a place where you are willing for God to move you in a direction you just didn't expect. And so if, you, if your idea of the Christian life is basically very predictable, you determine the steps that you take, the direction that you go, then yeah, don't pray this prayer because he will lead you in places that you don't want to go necessarily. But they'll always be great for you. I mean, I can tell you my own life, I had no plans. When, when, I, when, we, when we first, you know, came in, this, I, I first uh, went to, off to Bible school, I had no plans of pastoring a church. That was not on my, that was like, no way am I going to ever do that. Those people are mean. I'm not going to do that. No, that's not what I said. Maybe I said that. But I, I yeah, you guys aren't. Those people over there are. <laughs> like, I, I didn't want to do that. But you put yourself in a place, say, God, what do you have for me? What do you want for me? And the Holy Spirit will take you to places that you never, and it's just a yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit. I love how Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit in John. Look what it says in verse, verse 16 of John chapter 14. It says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. And he uses the word advocate here. It's a capitalized because it's actually a proper name for the Holy Spirit. It's this idea of being a counselor, being a, 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 a comforter, a helper, a friend. And so Jesus says to us that the Father will send us a friend who will be with us always. I love that language. Because there's some of you in this room right now. In fact, I've even heard people, people even say these words to me. I just need a friend. I feel lonely. I feel lost. My sin has made me feel lost and disconnected and lonely. <clears throat> I just want you to know that even though you might feel alone, the Holy Spirit can be there. And it's just about you yielding yourself to him. Holy Spirit, I want to experience you personally. I welcome you into my life. Will you be my closest friend? That's our prayer. Amen. Let's all stand. <clears throat> I have prayer teams here and left and right. And... Um, for those of you in our campuses too, you'll have prayer teams set up. Encourage you, before you leave this morning, if you're in Cedar Rapids, before you leave this morning, just don't, don't leave the same way you came in. Even here this, in Corville, if you walked in here heavy and weak and needing God to intervene in your life, I just want you to know that we're here to serve you, we're here to pray with you, but we can't do anything for you. Only God can do it. But you stepping out, you doing maybe the uncomfortable thing of becoming vulnerable and say, hey, prayer team, will you pray for me? My marriage is not going to wish you. I'm, struck, I'm stuck in an addiction. I, you know, the list can go on. Amen? That's what we're here for. 
Let me pray for us, and then we're going to worship. Father, I just want to thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for the Holy Spirit, and I thank you that your Spirit is always with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You're always here. You're always moving in our midst. You're always challenging us. You're always comforting us. And so, Father, we ask for your presence in this place, here and in Cedar Rapids and in Wilton. We're just asking for your presence in this place asking that you move among us. We yield our hearts to you, Jesus. We posture ourselves in a way where we just want to receive what you have for us. We're tired of trying to do this in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own abilities. We're tired of depending on our, on our, on our jobs and our, our relationships to find wholeness and peace when we know, Holy Spirit, that you're the only one that can do it. And so we're asking you right now, to fill our lives with your presence and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.